It's been a while, my friend. Yeah, yeah it's been almost the what four days. Yeah. More interesting experiences, man. Tell me all about it, man. The way of Stamets. We uh, rented um. You know, my I broke my first rule within like forty seconds. I'm just eating. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm gonna finish my two bites, and then I'll stop eating so I can talk normally. Unless he just made this delicious pumpkin risotto or butternut squash, and so it's just it's hard to stop eating it. Tiny dancer is here. Is Tiny Dancer here? It seems like it. Can you hear me? Ooh, oh, we can hear her. Oh, that was loud. Oh. That was loud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to turn yourself down. We'll just turn you down. Exactamundo. <laughs> so, I, I've created a system... That's a little insulting. <laughs> I've created a system for myself where I can hear myself speaking and hear, my, hear you guys speaking. I have um, two headphones in my head. <laughs> like it in in both ears. Like I have one earphone. I have an earphone and then a headphone. I mean, if it works, it works, right? It works. It works perfectly. It sounds a little trippy, but it's, whatever floats your boat. Exactly. I, I'm not sure why like, why we have to. Uh, express acceptance in this 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 thing like it's not that peculiar <laughs> to be like I, I respect what you're doing like you know what I mean <laughs> I see what you mean I know exactly what you mean <laughs> it's like it has nothing to do with that you got to do what you got I guess you do what you got to do man like no it's not if it's not that it's just like <laughs> well it was a response you know you gave us something that was interesting and you just want to respond to it sure uh, you know, so it's <laughs> so friends do, you know. What did what did Leslie make for you? Well, for uh, both of you, squash risotto, butternut squash risotto, with some cherry tomatoes and rucola and some melted Parmesan cheese in the mixture. Just, just delicious. The type that, when you eat it in the environment where we are currently, you think, "What on earth have I done to deserve such a bounty?" That's beautiful. Okay. Nothing exactly, and, and you're you're currently uh, residing in uh, what western the eastern coast of Spain. We um, I'll send a picture to Top Bunk, so you can get a sense of. Now, I'm going to you know what. I'm actually not going to send a picture just yet, because I think I'd have to build it up a little bit before I do. We rented a house, in the mountains, of forty minutes away from Barcelona. Overlooking a mountain called Montserrat, Montserrat, and beautiful. It's not a typical mountain the way you'd picture a mountain. It's wide. It's got a wide, jagged top, full of various different types of rocks and trees all over it, and it's imposingly large, especially where we are now. <laughs> so what we did is we found the house has these two. I it was so balanced. These two IKEA Poang chairs. You know the types that when you sit in them, they they're not sort of they kind of bounce. Look up look up what I mean. The Poang chair, if you don't know what I mean, because it, it helps to picture what I was talking about. And these are the nice ones with the the sort of the, the leather top. But they clearly look like, like they've been lived through a little bit. And so we took the chairs and we placed them facing the mountain directly. And so. It was, essentially, we may as well have had popcorn next to us. Because it was as though we were getting ready for the show. Oh, and okay. So you see the types of chairs, and so they kind of bounce. But today, the temperature was 70 degrees Celsius, 70 oh, degrees Fahrenheit. God. But with blistering winds. How was Warm, that? I mean, intense, in a intense way. <laughs> Because when you're like the winds, it tightens the uh, experience. The sense. Every so, we'd been wanting to do this for a while, and in the end, we just decided that today was a good day to do it. 
we rented this house from a guy, he's born in Kentucky, of half Colombian descent. He's in his mid-40s, he got four kids. And he was so excited that we were coming to stay at his house. He was just excited for people to want to enjoy this place that clearly he's put a lot of love into. It's wow. probably 500 square feet. It's a loft house, small house with slanted um, ceilings where the little loft allows you to overlook the rest of the house. A little sort of metal furnace, modern style fireplace. Unless he's currently sleeping, or at least relaxing with the book open over her chest. You know, she's fallen asleep reading. And I am... I think I'll, I'll tell you the story, because it's pretty... The whole time throughout the experience, you think... Some part of this is for me, and the other part is for me to share. And a lot of the experience was understanding how to distinguish. I think that was what I... That was the the main theme of my thought pattern. At some point when you are a storyteller, you you sort of look to capture every one of your experiences because you want to be able to share it with others, and that's where you derive joy. But at some point it would also be important to start experiencing things for yourself and then understanding that you want to do both and finding the balance between the two. So, around noon... On the beautiful sunny day, we uh, we cut up each three grams of some fine psilocybin mushroom, cut it up into fine little pieces, placed it on a peanut butter sandwich with some banana. Didn't taste a thing other than the tasty peanut butter banana sandwich. And went outside to go sit in these chairs. And, of course... <laughs> If it's the first time doing anything, you're always sort of bargaining with it, thinking, is this what I'm supposed to feel? Is this what I'm supposed to feel? And as it sort of moved, the wide mountain face in front of me, the, the sun seemed to be teasing that it was about to set. But in fact, the arc of the sun allowed it to travel the width of the entire mountain before it set. And so it sort of painted the mountain from all sides from the left side all the way to the right. And throughout the whole process, it began to become sort of progressively more majestic beyond whatever it is I was smoking, beyond whatever it is I'd ingested. At some point, the light was above it and it was sort of showering it in these beams of aurora light that just felt overwhelming. How, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen that type of beauty. Of course, when I send you this photo, You'll see the photo for what it was, and it doesn't really represent the relationship that I had to that, to what I was looking at, and how it was moving, how it was alive. But it was still... It was... it was... Um, it was big. Of course, Leslie and I, we... we tried to reach... It seemed like we walked into the the situation to try and experience something. And so we... There was definitely some understanding between us. I think that's a, it's a whole other subject. I can tell you that... About halfway through, I started noticing my own hands, and this seems to be a bit of a stereotype, except I just couldn't get over how ape-like my hands looked like. The, the, the patterns of my skin reminded me only of a photo I saw in Tim Flack's photo book, More Than Human, the photo of a gorilla's hand. And every pattern of my skin was so clear, every imperfection was clear. I took my shoes off and I'm walking barefoot and I was just... All my limbs felt very ape-like, extremely primal. And it was just one of these deep fascinations. Sometimes the pattern would, the texture of your skin would disappear entirely. And then it would go in extreme detail. When people say you see patterns, it's not that patterns emerge out of nothing. At least not in this low amount of dosage. But you see them. Like it's, it's so incredibly well defined. Honestly, it would take me some time to be able to really understand spiritually what happened. But I can tell you probably, this is the, the amusing part. <laughs> At some point, uh, the wind is battering us. And every time I think too much, Mother Nature says, hey, stop thinking. And the wind just like slaps us on the face. And it seemed to happen in perfect sync with the thoughts go on a tangent. Poof, wind slapping us on the face. And because these chairs bounce, we're sitting there sort of like <laughs> really f experiencing it. Of course, Leslie doesn't love the cold very much. 
And it seemed like her spiritual experience was asking herself, at least part of it was asking herself, why am I always cold? <laughs> Which, uh, I guess each person has their own experience and it was, it was endearing. So, want to go inside and said, hey, let's make fire. Now we have a problem here. We don't have matches. We don't have a lighter. I forgot it. And so, but we need to make fire. But it's very windy. And so suddenly I was an ape in search of fire. <laughs> there were... I think I spent about half an hour trying to come up with crafty ways until I managed to make fire in the car using an old match. There was one match left in a matchbox. And I put the cigarette thing in the car to heat it up. And I lit the match and I lit the candle. And I had fire. But I said, okay, wait. I have a candle in the car, but I need to somehow preserve this fire because the wind is crazy. It's going beyond, beyond any normal wind. If I step out of the car, it will go away. So I closed the car with a lit candle inside. So Leslie looking at that situation, I was going to be back in 30 seconds, but Leslie looking at that situation thought, that's not a good idea. And so she went and tried to manage it. In the meantime, I thought, let me go get another candle so that I can preserve the fire in case I lose it on in its journey inside. So I had to figure out how to preserve the fire. I was felt like very much like a homo sapien in that sense. <laughs> and remember, this part of the experience was still deep in the psychedelic world. <laughs> like the the experience of at some point I'm using all sorts of flammable materials to try and instigate the to get the, the match to light and it's just not lighting. Leslie comes to fix it, we lose the fire. I try again for 45 minutes. 45 minutes, I think. It's felt like 45 minutes. I'm making fire. I give up and I say to myself, you know what? My ego is not connected to this fire. <laughs> I got out of the car and I walked back to go sit outside and look at the mountain. In the meantime, Leslie's thinking like, where the hell did he go? He said he was going to make fire. <laughs> I, had, I had no perception of this. After 30 minutes of sitting facing the mountain, I come inside and I think... Before I come inside, I think, you know what? My ego is not connected to this fire. I'm, if I tried long enough, I would make fire. If it meant that I had to go to the neighbors to get a lighter or I had to walk down, and I, of course we could figure out. So there's no ego. It's just a matter of time. It's not a problem. She's got a heater. I walk inside and I see a candle is lit and Lessie gently blowing on the fire. <laughs> she made fire herself. And the way she figured it out, because she wouldn't tell me at first, is she took like a, a napkin and she put it sort of half in the toaster until it caught fire. And then she transferred that fire to a candle and then she saved that. And now we have a lit fire. And so we spent a good deal of time just with our relationship to fire in a way that we felt like we were real homo sapiens. And I would recommend the experience to anybody. I'll try it out this weekend. But your experience sounds very beautiful. Let me send you this picture because... I've certainly not been able, I think, if I'm really honest, the dosage that we consumed was not nearly at the the explosive Paul Stamets level of, of mind-boggling. Like, there was definitely that sense that I could do more, but what I did see is that I'm very excited to do this more often. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. <laughs> uh, three to four grams is pretty, pretty good amount. So the photo I sent mm -hmm. you will not begin to describe how it felt to me in that moment and how large oh it looked. But wow. the light was dancing across the entire mountain. What are these belts? Oh, I bet. It yeah. was just this insane view. <laughs> and we're sitting there in comfortable chairs with the figurative popcorn. And we're just kind of like bouncing in the chairs as the wind batters us facing this crazy, crazy mountain <laughs> as, the, as the sun traveled from the left side of it eventually down to the right and tucked itself under it and the, the guy who owns this house mid-40s got a couple of kids he was so excited to have us here and he clearly is the type that that loves loves having guests he told us we spoke to him on the phone because he tried to call us a bunch of times he just wanted to make sure we're doing okay after we told him what we did how we spent the day i didn't tell about the mushrooms i just said about the chair face of the mountain he said stay another day please on me <laughs> because <laughs> clearly he's the type Why? that wants to share well, it's, he's like us. He's one of us. We, we would do the same. If you had some Great. guests that were really enjoying the crap out of your house, you'd say, please continue enjoying it. That's why it's there. Of course. That's of course. awesome. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So now when you, when the two of you decide to come over to this side of the world, this is an experience we will have here. This, if you are open and willing, place. of course. <laughs> and it'll be warmer and hopefully there'll be less wind because as much as I like the battering feeling of the wind, it was certainly 
all-encompassing every time it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you could... It's a reality check. It's a reality check. It was so much wind. I mean, I, can't, I don't know what the, the gusts are. It's about 15 knots, whatever that means. It's a, a lot of wind. But you definitely end up feeling considerably more connected to yourself and to the per people that you are with. It's, um... But at the same time, there's no departure from sobriety, at least what I experienced. Wait, Sarah, have you ever tried them? No, shrooms, um, they are on the back burner right now, but... I'm on the back burner? I'm hoping to do them sometime soon. <laughs> I just gotta obtain them, and then I'll be fine. Well, and also plan, like, a whole day out and make sure that I'm not in charge of anyone else on the time that I do it. <laughs> this is These are all good ideas. Well, I would love to be able to share the experience if the two of you want to come to Spain at some point. You know, uh, I have access to the, the product, and I think... I think it'll be... I'm so excited to see what it'll teach, at least me, about the people that we're with at each given moment. You know, and just like marijuana, there's no come down. Once you're done, you're done. You're clean. And you, you sort of come out even ref more refreshed than when you began. Mm, that's like when I tried Molly. When did you do that? Um... Well, I did it. It was like it was my bender weekend at in college. I did Molly like every day for three days. My bender weekend. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> I don't go crazy often, so. Um, but, but once a, once a year. Lot. Yeah, haven't done it this year yet though. So maybe we'll be in Spain in the mountains. Um, Is it actually a thing? Like, it was. No, <laughs> no. Like your bender weekend. No, well this weekend, I think I was just very. I just needed to let go. There's a lot of stress in my life. And I was like, you know what? This weekend, I'm just not going to worry about a lot of other things that are happening. And so it so happened that the at my college, the, um, the distributor of the school I lived with, so he had access to a lot of drugs that he would give to me for free. And I felt safe doing it because he would give me like a dosage that was good for like a first time user. Um, so I did it for three days and was very happy. For three days? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What? You did it every day? I took a... Molly three days in a row, yes. What? What a crazy experience. I, I would like to hear about well, this experience. Yes, explain more. <laughs> I mean, it was when we had like a bunch of, um, concerts going on on campus so can i say that i remember everything going on no but um i was just in a mosh pit for two days <laughs> on whenever i took them all so i was just in the zone just very incandescently happy um the other day it was just i was just hanging out at my house and most of us that i lived with we just did molly and we're just <laughs> sitting on a porch similar to you and we played a game, our favorite drinking game called Truck, which is anytime a truck passes the house, you have to take a drink. Um, and the rule that we added was whenever you see, because we lived in the Amish country, um, whenever you see a carriage go by, you had to finish your drink. So that happened many times. But with the added Molly, it kind of just enhanced the situation. But all you, good things. <laughs> you lived in, okay, I have a, I have a couple questions here. Uh, firstly, I'd yes. like you to describe what you mean when you say incandescently happy. Secondly, I'd like to learn about what it, what it was like being in Amish country. <laughs> um, to answer your first question, I think what I felt in the moment was just not... I was just not worrying about everything happening around me. I was just very much in the moment, um, not really feeling... not not feeling like I would be judged or anything. I was just very in the moment, just dancing around, singing along to everything happening. Um, just happy, yeah. And then living in Amish country, especially in upstate New York, was very interesting. Because um, it wasn't like, it's not like in um, Pennsylvania where it's like you go down a road and you're just in the middle of a new 
country basically um the houses and farms are very spread out but whenever i'd go volunteer in farms a lot of the farms that i went to were surrounded by amish farms and like finding their schoolhouse and i just learned a lot about like they did church every week but at someone house like they never had like an actual church physical church it was like each person held a service at their house each week and it like rotated there's a lot of um teens there too and they would come and hang out at the walgreens <laughs> Which is kind of funny. And go hang out. <laughs> hang out at the Walgreens. <laughs> no, literally, literally, I'd go and like picking up a pr- prescription and I'd just be wandering around the aisles because they couldn't buy anything because um, it's modern for them. Um, and that's against their rules. What um, a trip. I know. I mean, the most insulted I've ever been was when I was driving with my friend back from a farm and there was a group of boys walking. I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but... um. There's a group of boys walking back from their schoolhouse, um, and this little boy just flipped me off. And oh yeah, you did mention this. I've, yeah. <laughs> just because? He just yeah. Well, because like you like the um, the thing to do is like you just like wave to them and they wave back just to like you acknowledge each other. But like so we were waving to them and like all of them waved to us and this little one of them just decided to flip us off because like to them like that doesn't mean anything. But they know it's insulting to us. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you felt personally attacked by this, like, because he sort of got under your skin, hurt your soul on a deep oh. level, right? Yes. You know, like some some people some people do it, but we, like, uh, they do it, but sometimes it doesn't mean what it actually means. It's just, you know, just like this lower level or lower tier of. What it actually means but then but when someone who who doesn't use it uses it because they know that the other person will be offended that's just like that's offensive that's or not offensive oh, yeah. that's that's I mean saw it in, i saw that's, it in his it's face. like a middle yeah. finger you know it's it's the middle finger it's it's exactly <laughs> it's like giving a middle is. exactly it's, it's not, giving someone the middle finger but when, when when other people give the middle finger <laughs> when other people give the middle finger it's not sometimes sometimes it doesn't actually reach to that level of middle fingerness it's just a little bit less than middle finger. Yeah. It's like if you and I did it, it's just us giving a middle finger, right? Yeah, this guy and that's you, what I'm saying. This is what guys. offends them. I'm going to do the thing that offends these strangers. I'm it's sick of these that. strangers. <laughs> great, great. You know, the, the thought I'm thinking is, why do we have to remember everything, right? Like, that's what I'm thinking about when you're, for that weekend. It is what it is, or it was what it was. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That's the oh, best we'll never be able to remember to enjoy. it, right? That's the best way and to I'd enjoy like to it. In some it sense. I I feel that. I really feel that the same thought. I was sitting with my notebook there, you know, with the overwhelming experience of everything around me. And I was totally recognizing that right now, writing these words on the page will look nothing like the context in which they will be read at a later date. Exactly. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. Impossible. But it so, still made me feel yeah. like I wanted to try and capture something that I w- wanted to t- take with me from this experience. So that I could sort of reflect upon it, because it's it's hard to reflect on things in the moment when it's happening. That sounds like my anxiety journal that I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this is my anxiety journal. This is my bones journal. This is my funny things journal. Yeah, she has many, many journals. I have I mean, three, I'm... okay? Do you actually? The one that you had with while we yeah. were there, while we were... The one that you had while we yeah. were... What, what, what journal is that one? That was just like my everyday jot down whatever journal. And I so finished that one, so I got a new one. No, but, but I finished, yeah. And then I have my anxiety journal, and then my bones journal. Yeah. Do you actually have a bones journal? Yes. So I wasn't making this up when I said that you have an anxiety journal, a bones journal, and a normal journal. I was pretty much on on the mark. You're on point. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean that's Good great. To know where that we stand. You can, you can categorize journals. I, uh, I, I, at this point, I can't. I have two journals, but. They're not really categorized, you know? Like, one well, is clearly the sex would... journal. 
<laughs> oh yes, of course. One hundred percent. All my kinks and stuff. Yes. What would a sex journal it's, have? It's not even like, his experiences. Um, it's the things that he wants. You know, it's just a long list of things he wants. <laughs> All my desires are written in this book. Every weekend, I would like to be choked. Exactly, but not just choked. You know, I'm sure we can come up with some very yes choked strange with your circumstances. And bound. Choked with your left hand while you're an apple. <laughs> bound with a snakeskin belt that chokes oh, you. Oh, you're beyond. going that way. <laughs> I, you know oh, what I'm saying? Oh. Like, I, just add some details. I, I mean, I think everybody has a fetish about being choked by a snake, right? Or is that just me? <laughs> I, anyone? I anyone? To you, yeah? But... Yeah? <laughs> anybody? No, no. <laughs> I'm alright, I'm alright. <laughs> Am I not stating the obvious here? <laughs> oh, man. Like, I feel like this whole anxiety journal concept is something that I'm very interested in. But I'm not, I'm not sure if I can... If I'm interested in it in a... In a good faith type of way. Where, because I don't know if I'm, I'm interested in the way that I, I want to know more about it. And in some sense, the person I am feels like I like to try and help and solve problems. It makes me think like, you can't solve my problems. <laughs> Only the therapist. <laughs> well, no, so I yes, got them fired, remember? Yes, exactly. Yes and no, right? In some <laughs> sense, Sarah, you, you said it yourself. And Lassie shared it with me. At least she didn't show me what she wrote, but she described it to me. Is that at least the after you know crossing paths, whether or not it's who we are or what we've done, but it's just the context of the time that we've shared that it it sort of resulted in different thoughts, right? That uh, perhaps mm -hmm. even a different frame of mind about certain things. Yes. And, and so that leads me to think: is that maybe the path towards understanding? And listening, a new frame of view, frame of view is just to talk about it and laugh about it. Because in the end, your therapist—if your therapist is laughing at you—that's not exactly the the situation. That, no, <laughs> what what I'm paying for, you, you know? Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like the Simpsons guy. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> But in our context, we can sort of laugh about it and not take it too seriously, but at the same time, listen openly and honestly, because that is what we're doing. I mean, I like to think that I'm very open and honest about my journey with anxiety, if you would even call it that. Um, I mean, obviously, like, in the moment when I'm feeling an attack coming on, I don't want to be open and honest about it, but, I mean, when I'm not, when I'm doing fine, I'm okay with answering questions about curiosities of my mental health. Do you feel like there's a process towards a mental... Do, do you picture a process where you can take your mind from a place of where you are now to a place where the anxiety simply doesn't happen anymore, in a, in a conclusive way? Yes. I think okay. we're when <laughs> we move um, on. Right. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Um, for me, I think that when I get, um, I guess like physically where I want to be in terms of like my own physical health, um, where I want to be professionally, um, and socially, I think that's when, even though that sounds like a lot of work and stuff like that, for me, it's becoming closer and closer. Um, I think that's when my anxiety will fade. Most of my anxiety stems from having the inability to control, um, the far future and being unsure about that. Um, and like the what-ifs and stuff. That's where like a lot of it stems from, um. Yeah. I, can, I hear that. I recognize that. I think that's a thing that most of us are nervous about, isn't it? Yeah. I like. I. I don't think like my anxiety doesn't stem stem a lot from like social anxiety and stuff like that, um, which is more common. But yeah. Which so I feel where like do I you... just talked about that? I, I don't know. Sorry. Well, Deja where do you see where do you see the path towards? Because if you can understand that there's a path to there, what does the path look like? Um. Right now, it's letting go a little bit and being more spontaneous with where the path leads me and trusting that 
they the universe knows where i should end up um in spiritual speaking <laughs> um so for me it's not it's it's figuring out what's gonna happen after march because technically i don't have a job after march because day students aren't gonna need me to be their dorm parent because they're all moving back home and stuff like that and i don't think deerfield will need me after that so it's just trying to figure out where i want to be in the next two months or after the next two months um and being open to any idea or experience with that hmm. that kind of answered your question i don't know it reminds me of a story i once heard it was actually dan brown in an ad for masterclass which anyway i thought i thought it was insightful where he said he said writing is sort of like driving through the fog with one headlamp one headlight you know you can only write the cross you can only write the crossroads after you get to the crossroad mm. and that i see that as an overwhelming metaphor of life you know when i say that there's a certain thing i want in my life and then somebody will offer me a caveat but yes but this but that but this would happen but this would happen the only thing i can tell you is having been present in my own body in my own mind for my whole life in each situation because we're human we just have to figure it out and we try to figure out as best as we can in that moment and if you make decisions that lead you in the wrong path who's to say it was the wrong path mhm mm you won't know until you got there and even then when you're there you'll never know if it was the right path or the wrong path all you'll know is that it's the path you're on because no matter which way you go there's only one of you right so everything that you do and become that's the one that you become wow yeah like we can't we can't test it we can't beta test to think you know what i, I would like to see my career as a neuroscientist i would like to see my career as an unpaid intern i'd like to see my career as a as an archaeologist we we simply don't have those mm -hmm. options yeah and right now I have been thinking about, like, the different paths I could take in the long run and how to get there, but it's difficult to actually see them all the way through and what happens after, like, Yes, that makes steps. sense. <laughs> after one step ahead of you, it's like, show up. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, grad school, then what? Nothing. I'll exactly. Yeah. Well... They I mean, get there you know, when you Sarah, get there. in some, exactly, in, in some sense by, I feel like goals, and I've noticed this in my own life, goals can be a little bit too prescriptive, right? It's a goal in your life, yes, it's an orientation, and I think we should all be oriented in some direction, because it allows us to move, otherwise we... <laughs> That's arguing of whether or not we should move to begin with, or at least move in any productive fashion. Mm -hmm. But I, at least I've personally had to uh, much more lately reflect on whether or not this path that I created for myself in my 16-year-old mind of wanting to be someone who makes films, whether or not it still holds up. And so I have to ask myself that constantly rather than simply accepting this is the path. And simply to say, because I, I feel like I'm making using more words than I need to to express this idea. Um. As the Arabs say... Hab hab. <laughs> poco poco. What is it? Poco poco. One step at a time. That's the um, only only advice I can give you. I was watching a show yesterday. Anime show. The anime Attack. show. Yeah, Attack on Titan. And this was, okay. this this whole thing was in the context of, do I make a decision myself? In in the. When you're working in a team, do I? trust my teammates in their decisions or do I make the but I think it's applicable to what we're talking about the leader of the group was talking to him said I don't know I've never known the answer to that question whether I should trust my teammates or but all I know is that I need to choose the one that I will regret them. Mm -hmm. And that's 
yeah, you can really never know until you get there. The risks are are always going to be risky, but as long as you've made a decision that sweat the least, I guess that's the best you can do. Really. Then go go full full force with that. I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it, the context is different, but I I I don't know. I I felt there's a how do you say in like in Spanish, like, gave me an impression. Yeah, of course, and left a, left a mark. I, I, it's exactly the same thought that I've expressed, but in in different terms. That okay, idea yeah. that when when two roads converge, choose the one that leads to the better story. Choose the one you yeah. regret least, right? That's a Robert Frost poem. That's. I mean, that's what you're you, uh, the road less traveled. Yes. It's a. That's another way. Sarcastic, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we it's have a well Robert Bowen here, not Robert Frost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I take a lot of. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to mute that. You know, the name. <laughs> but I take a lot of. Uh, well, it depends on what we think. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we reach that point this, in a second. Uh, yeah. It's uh, exactly because I have anyway. We'll talk about it in the moment, but it's. That's uh, I can't give you any wisdom how to live life, Sarah. The, the only difference is we've got a couple of years on you, and those couple of years I think have been pretty fundamental when it comes to self-actualization. And so, if there's anything that's worthwhile to share, it's that just taking everything one step at a time—it's the only way you'll ever be able to live anyway, because you can't take two mm -hmm. steps in one go. It's just never possible. It's not possible. And I know yeah. we like to plan life out like it's a big chess game, but. I, that's I really wish it my... was that. I really wish it were right? that, you know? <laughs> well, it it is, right? Because in some sense, you make a move and life makes a move against you. And now you have to think mm -hmm. of what move you have to make. And it is a big chess game. But we, yeah. with the amount of variables, we can't plan every move. Because we can't decide that we're going to win. You can only decide that you're going to respond to the moves that you're given. I really thought... I really thought... I really thought that uh, I was going to be here for the long haul. But... <laughs> But um, no, I'm leaving soon. I don't know what's happening. That, but like, to, to assume something is fine, but to actually believe it is is naive in some sort, because you don't know what's going to happen. Yes, Sarah, what were you saying? I was gonna say just that with with this conversation and thinking about the passive life, I realized. Like, the most that I think about is just, like, the professional path that I'm taking and, like, how that will affect everything else. But I need to start thinking about the other parts of my life, those paths, too. Yeah. Yes, and hopefully they convert. You have passion, right? You have a passion for things that you love in this world, and I've always kind of felt like just trust your gut. It's I think that's a pretty good way to go with your... your each path that diverges, just trust your gut and try and follow that and to be honest, see where it goes. You know, I, I know we're all, we have high expectations when we go to nice private boarding schools. We're sort of expected to go achieve things by whatever metric people regard as achievement, right? To make something of ourselves to justify the, the effort our parents put into raising us. And that's a pressure that we carry, you know, because why would it there otherwise what's the point of all the work that they put into us into parenting us i know if the pressure i don't know if that's a pressure myself, to feel <laughs> yeah no it's you more understand pressure my, for my point. siblings than my parents yeah why do you feel pressure from your siblings oh no it's just like the oh uh, like me comparing myself to my older sister and stuff like that and seeing where she is in life because she's like two years older than you guys, and seems to have everything figured out. Even though she's I know got she it made, but like from out, both like from like an outward, outside perspective, yes. So I've always been comparing myself, but I'm like, hey, I don't even want to do the same professional thing as you. So why do I need to compare myself to? Mm -hmm. mm. Facts. I mean, what you have is a beautiful oh, example yeah. of someone who's close to you, and you can you have a beautiful example of someone who's close to you, and you can see that even though things look beautiful on the outside. They're never that way on the inside, at least not to say that they're horrible, but what things look like on the outside are no bearing of what they are on the inside. 
And in the end, you can have a job that is... I've been... I was talking about this the other day when, um... We were talking about online dating with a couple of our friends. And some people were of the... Of the persuasion that... The problem with things like Tinder is that... It's such a wide net. And that you end up interacting or dating people who are... As far as life goes... Not in a compatible professional arrangement as you are. Right? And it kind of got me thinking, like, when you're well-educated, you will often consider a plumber or a carpenter or an electrician to be not the type of person you'd want to be with because you want to be with someone ambitious. But then I got thinking, at least that was the person I was talking to. She wanted to be with someone who had ambition. But then I'm thinking, well, if carpentry was fit for Jesus Christ, clearly our cultural values hold that the idea of just being useful and having a job that allows you to own your own thoughts because that's really the key all these all the smartest people we know all the smartest people that you Sohaib and you Sarah and me Rob know went on to be consultants or doctors doctors great but consultants so the idea is that all their mental capacity all that mental strength that they have is owned by the consulting firms that occupy their minds 10 to 12 hours a day five to seven days a week depending on who how their minds work they do not own their own mind they never own their mind because at first they owe it to the school then to the university then to their employer so we try to organize what we consider would be a good professional outcome for ourselves i'll tell you what i think would be a good outcome is if you own your own mind and you own your own thoughts and you get to decide what you want to think when you want to think it and the idea of ambition uh, being tied to growth or bigger or better I think that's problematic because you could be ambitious to be the best or or the best carpenter best whatever yeah be, be the best carpenter be the best uh, mechanic so, to the one car that comes into your workshop that's that's ambition why does it have to be ambition means oh I have to you know make I need to fix a thousand cars. Ten thousand. It's not related to growth. In that sense. Could you say quantity. could you say that the crossroad, like the crossroad that I described earlier about choose which one leads to the better story, could you argue or rephrase it to say choose the one that will you feel choose the path that you feel will result in you becoming more useful? Is that because this is a thought that's occurring to me now, I haven't thought about it deeply. Does that make sense? I think that depends on the value. Because your, I, I feel like your Sorry. assumption, you, you, you have this assumption, and it, uh, let's not call it. Assumption. You have this idea um, that to be useful is one of the basic blocks of humanity. I think that the decisions that you make for yourself should go towards that. Then yes fairly a good thing to say. But if it's not... Well, useful is also a subject of your own definition of what it means to be useful. Yeah. Like, in some sense, what I, what I really learned today as a result of this experience is that I fancy myself a bit of a spiritual guide. And I think that's sort of what I was born on this planet to do, if there was anything that I was born to do as such. That I, that's the whole idea of just trying to invite people into experiences with themselves. And I've always been doing it anyway, right? That that idea of wanting to guide people. The only difference is I have a different language of communicating these things. And I'm, I have a capacity to communicate them in an interesting way. And so I think being useful could also be, you know, being just valuable. And being valuable constitutes to your partner, to your parents, to your siblings, to your friends, to yourself, to your the immediate environment around you, to your co-workers, being valuable. And I feel like that's one of those decisions. If you try to orient yourself with whatever you consider your value, I think in general, you'll go the right way. If that's where, what you have to face at each crossroad that you go. Because it takes a bit of the guesswork out of it. Because otherwise, well, then this way, or I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. Neither are going to, like, in the end, you're still going to be you, you know? You're still going to be the same person. But choose the one that you think will lead you to the most, maybe, spiritual health that will result in you being the most valuable. I don't know. 
I'm, I really don't want to. Maybe yeah. I feel like I'm it's saying things that are of no use. No, no, it's difficult to, to no, determine no. what that word is, because for each person that yeah. that word is different. So that, that that's where where things fall apart, right? I'm not sure, man. I think I think what. I think what you consider valuable, what I consider valuable, what you, Sarah, consider valuable, and what every other human being consider valuable, in terms of being a valuable person, I think there are a lot of lines of convergence. I think overwhelmingly, pretty much all of humanity will have a few things they unanimously agree on, yes. with what it means Probably. to be valuable. Yeah. Right? Your gut feeling tell, tells us that we all agree on certain things, what we consider valuable. So I don't think it's that much guesswork. In the end, it's the nuance of your circumstance that dictates certain types of nuanced mm -hmm. value. But in general, being valuable is also one of those feelings that allows you to, to proceed through life with your feet comfortably on the ground. You know, I look at Lassie and I know that she, she thinks about value in each crossroad. And in the end, she's a person I think everybody experiences her as a as a person of value because she holds values and she lives them clearly and i think it inspires people to do so so you don't necessarily have to she doesn't try to preach the way i do but in some sense i would i could probably say that the character that she brings offers a whole different kind of inspiration than what i am deliberately trying to do yes mm -hmm. And that's to say, when you work on yourself and do good things for yourself, it, the hope is that it brings you closer to who you are and closer to being, to living a fruitful life with the people around you. Because in the end, as the name of this podcast goes, you are alive now. There are many generations that have gone before us and there are many that will go after us. But we are alive now. So is this one of the... Many, many. Uh, it's definitely something that is worth reflecting on. I'd have to go back in the notes. They started, you know, leaving the ordered lines of the page. <laughs> there, she can scratch on the page. I try to keep it understandable. I really try to keep it legible. And I, I also do think that the dosage that we had did not overwhelm us to a to a point of total sensory overload. There was still a real sense of presence that she and I both had. I just picture you but sitting in that chair, like, looking at the mountains, and your other hand is, like, one hand is, like, on the chair, and the other one's just, like, on a notebook, just scribbling down stuff. Not stop, not even looking at what you're writing. <laughs> That's about it, except I can't write without looking. <laughs> Otherwise, it looks like just total I mean, most people gibberish. <laughs> but yes, that is, I mean, your, your image is good. Leslie was sitting to my right side, each of us in identical chairs. She had a nice uh, blanket and a big jacket. And we, uh, I was going to wear... We both had your nice hats with us, but we didn't wear them because I think the, the decision was to try and keep our ears open to whatever we could hear. Insulted. But, well, uh, there was definitely a moment <laughs> your hat has where keep, I... kept me very warm outside. Your hat has working. kept me warm. Firstly, I wear yeah. it all the time. Yeah. I wear it all the time. Uh, like, people... Uh, you very can ask good. anybody I know. For the last month, it's like a thing. People will identify <laughs> me with that hat. <laughs> I'm That's happy to num hear that. Point number two, it was sitting in the bag, and at some point I had a bit of a panic moment. I was like, wait a minute, what if the hat just flew, like, flew away with the wind? And I just like <laughs> panicked, dug through it, because I, I don't want to lose that hat. I, there was some peace in me, because thinking like, well, wait a minute, I know the source. You know, if I, if I do lose it, it's not the hat that matters specifically. It's, it's, it's the fact that where it came from that, that, that I'm connected mm -hmm. to. Right, and that thing doesn't change regardless of if I have the hat or not. That's true. I also have a lot of extra yarn, so <laughs> you whip another one up. <laughs> just, just shipping costs would be a little bit higher. It's okay. We, we need to keep you working. You gotta keep you employed. I'm. I can get a lot of orders for you. You want some orders? I can get you. I can definitely get you like fifteen, twenty orders. 
I'm uh, I, right now. I, I can I can sell those hats, and I'm not gonna go on Etsy. You know, I'll just tell people you should have this hat, and no, they will I don't have, have it. An Etsy. Well, you get my point. I don't know whatever yeah. e-commerce place that you use. If Instagram, you try to sell your hats, obviously. Instagram. I know it's Sarah's knickknacks. I I tried to do yes. a to lead a flash mob the other day and it failed. <laughs> <laughs> what? Excuse me. Why didn't we open with well, this? I, I, I hope uh, I hope I'm using the word flash mob correctly, but I tried to create a movement of dance. And failed. <laughs> this gets better and better. Was it just you dancing by yourself? I, I, it was uh, it was Saturday, I believe. Yes, yeah, Saturday morning. Uh, I woke up early. I had the most beautiful day with this with uh, with a friend of mine, and we were just walking around, talking about beautiful topics and taking photos. And it was the sunniest day of the whole month. And after she departed, I went to the park and I. I had my speakers with me, so we've been dancing throughout, like while we're walking through the city. Um, but I sat down, and I was I was writing, um, just kind of alone in this little next to a tree, and people are looking at me because I'm playing music as I'm writing. Um, so I decided to be like, okay, uh, I need to do something about this. So I I <laughs> choose like three great songs. Oh my god, I, I'm Stay. really excited where this is going. <laughs> Staying alive. I'm so excited. Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> and this one other funky kind of dance dance song. And it's like dance. Like it's kinda of like dance to the funk. Dance to something like that, you know. <laughs> Two hundred people yeah. the, <laughs> Like just like absolutely. Good. Floor, funky, no. <laughs> absolutely like people. music. Good feel music. Okay, just one hundred percent good feel music. Feel good. I walked good feel. I like actually good feel music is good name. <laughs> good feel. Yeah. And I I'm like, okay. Uh I walked through the group like I walked through a group of people before I sat down to the tree and I saw them kinda looking at me. I was like, okay, now I just need to like step it up. Get next level. So I step go up the, three. <laughs> I go to the main part of the, the, the park and there's just a bunch of people sitting down, playing games, uh, talking, and I walk around the park twice, and I'm kind of dancing, dancing to the groove, just dancing as I'm walking, and people are just looking at me, except this one guy. There was this one guy, he was playing playing this weird game, and he's dancing on his own. Then I decided, okay, no, I need to I need to actually stand somewhere. I need to, I need to be somewhere so people can know where I am, know that I'm here. And as I'm walking, I'm like, I'm looking at people. I'm looking at, they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them straight in the eye. Like, with a smile, of course, but like, like <laughs> just trying to tell them, I'm doing this intentionally. I'm trying to spread good, positive vibes. It's like this fascist, like, positive guy fascist. Oh my god, dude. With the, with the mask on and you, the way you gaze at people. With the I'm mask. Really enjoying this good, image. Like, Boogie Wonderland, you know, just like... Did you put a hat out for some money too? Like, oh no, that's not that's not for money. No, 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 no. Just for feel good vibes. Um, <laughs> I kind of stand in the middle of the park, but there's like there's not a lot of people. There's just like a third full. If you want to consider like not enough people to be like, oh look at him. He's like dancing. So I just kind of go back home and. Still dancing, but I, I just I never was able to get the people. They just stared at me, kind of like, "Huh, he's dancing." <laughs> so can I, re if I understand your story, you went to the park, you had a speaker with you, you played some funky music, started dancing, and you while dancing you looked people you looked some strangers dead in the eye. With the with suggestion of, with a smile, but obscured by that, your mask. Yes. So all they see is you looking at them, while dancing. <laughs> and, and you you, okay. Well, look. Firstly, listen. I, I recognize you did that. Look, <laughs> I recognize uh, the, the methodology was was not you know Suit. pinpoint 
I think it's great that you did that. I honestly think you're Me stepping too. out of a comfort zone, and it's a oh, really yes. cool thing to do. I think more people ought to do that. I am not I really surprised wish that I people. Was there to see it. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down that I hope to be in a place where. Well, I recognize that my methodology could have been better. So next time when this happens, I will you know, be better about it. But I hope to be in a place where people don't have to feel like, you know, they just kind of are pulled towards the music. You know what I mean? Well, I, if I can offer you a tip, I would say start it with a few more people than one. No, I wanted it to be one. I wanted to be on my own. Did you do any like gestures to like welcome people in, like? No, I didn't. Like I didn't. I didn't. Big fishing rod. <laughs> I need to be a little up. bit more well, shameless. There you go. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. There are definitely steps of improvement that I will make. Well, you know what I you could say. If if this is an idea that you'll entertain, I don't mean to hijack your your world. I'll just offer you my thought. You can take it or leave it. What if you simply addressed a group of people after with the music, and you have the music playing and saying, "Hey, listen, nobody has any place to dance anymore." You know, we're in a beautiful park. If you feel like dancing, join, you know? And we can get something started here. Especially if you get some people who clearly seem to be in the right vibe. Mm -hmm. It seems like they might need a little bit of context to understand what's going on. I mean, that's a that's a, the, probably the best way to play additional flash mobs. Well, a flash mob is like a point, right? This is the whole point of what you're trying to do is to say, hey, let's just dance. We're not trying to make a point. Some oh, no. flash mobs don't have a point, it's just to make people happy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, we should do more flash mobs, you know, I think to, that's I'm probably a good way of communicating so, ideas. Uh, I'm going to try again, so... Uh, I'll let you know what results You should do it. You should do it a lot, actually. As long as you don't mm -hmm. feel like it, it hurts you to, to, to do something like that, you should definitely no. keep doing that. Yeah. So, we'll see. But it was the first. It was first time. So. Because I know your moves too. And I'm really. Huh? I know your moves, and so I'm. I'm very amused by the image. This <laughs> is me dancing the funky. Uh, to be honest, those two songs were on repeat when I was uh, editing our our moonlight video. Yes. Like I edited with no music or sound whatsoever. And I, uh, I did a totally different way of editing where I took all the takes we took for each scene and put them in a multi-camera sequence. And so for each moment I had like 16 clips. I put on a little loop where I was watching what these 16 clips are all doing in the same moment. And I would play it on loop until I decide which moment I like the best. Wow. And so it's a very different way of deciding things. And they were just, God damn it, dancing to the Dan Boogie Wonderland. It was so good. <laughs> Oh, it was really good. Oh. It just, every song I put, every song I put was just, it worked in this incredible flow that you think, shit, I don't know what moment the song started. I have to, like, how am I going to replicate this moment that I just saw? That's a great way editing. A different mindset. Yeah, I, I tried to sort There's of engage song. with the editing process. Like, I tried to engage with it as a creative process. I find that the tech, the editing process or filmmaking process tends to be so technically detached from the te from telling of the story that you just sort of become a martyr for the story, you know, you, like a parent. You keep the magic alive for everyone else while there's no magic in it for you. That way sounds a little sad when you put it. There. But that's that's the normal way. That's the normal way of doing it. You use the I've word just magic. Never heard that reality. I've never heard that reality before, and it's crushing. Well, in the end, any great art that needs to be made typically it requires work and a lot of it has to do with facing some of the work that you don't want to have to face to make it at least when it comes to filmmaking like no, people like lessie isolate or insulate us creative people from those realities but still in the end it's a part of it and so if you can just try and minimize the ugliness of it and keep it flowing because it was flowing you know it was the music was playing the energy was good and the edit was happening organically it just seemed to follow whatever felt right in that moment. Love it. Uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. 
don't know about uh, you guys, but we've just crossed the one hour mark, and I think I should, uh, I would like to go spend some more time with the need to head out here. as well. Yeah, I need to go walk in this blizzard. Yeah, it's snowing walk. here as well. Walk the lizard? Blizzard, but I, yeah, blizzard with a B. But I do have a pet blizzard. <laughs> no, it's oh. a tortoise. I forgot that it's cold where you guys are. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Yes. It is negative one here. Negative two. Well, you know the, the two of you are always welcome. We have place to put you up and and nice uh, experiences to share. Okay, I'll tell you when I find my fli flight itinerary out. You know you. that whenever we say it, it's 100% it's sincere too. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting to hear back from Canada on my dual citizenship. So. Just let us know what Canada says. I Justin will. Trudeau says no. <laughs> Specifically stamped. It's $75 for a dual citizenship, so I'm like, hell yeah, I'm getting it. Well, for yes. me, because of my dad. But $75. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Sounds so good, my friends. Great hustle. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.